Welcome to the Church Interpreting Podcast. I'm Jonathan Downey. And I'm Lauren Alvisu. And on the show today... How did I get my spirits to fill back up? To feel like I could interpret again, like I, it's not something heavy on me. Why is it in some churches interpreting doesn't seem to work? But first, here's Lauren with a very emotive and inspiring discussion of interpreting through grief. Do you ever feel emotionally drained to the point where you think interpreting is going to be so hard for you? Like, I'm in a period of my life where I don't feel up for it. Uh, I got sick recently and I lost my voice, uh, but I've also been feeling a little tired, kind of out of whack. And when I'm interpreting, my tongue feels heavy and I feel out of breath and what I'm listening to feels all hazy and it's just I haven't been myself. I've not lost my passion for interpreting. I still think it's super important. I'm just tired. I'm not really tired. I'm I'm sad right? And interpreting has always been something that lifts my moods, that I can trust that by the time I finish interpreting, I'll feel energized, accomplished, good, full of life. Um, but that, that usually happens when I'm physically tired. And this is, this is more emotional, right? So how do I interpret when I'm not feeling up for it? How, how do I go through with with my job and with my passion, with my duties, right? Obviously, the first thing is I take care of myself. Like, you don't have to fry your voice. You don't have to push through things. When your throat needs rest, give it rest. When your mind needs rest, give it rest. I had to go into a week-long voice rest, which was really awful because I wanted to talk to everybody around me and I couldn't. Um, And my family was over there trying to figure out what was wrong with me and I'm like there's nothing wrong with me I just don't have a voice um so I took care of myself I took my rest I drank my teas I drank my medicine and I got better but apart from that how did I get my spirits to fill back up to feel like I could interpret again like it's not something heavy on me right because I preach a lot, and and I've said it on the podcast before, that we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to take control, to be the one to help us through interpreting. And this whole experience helped me to see that maybe I was relying more on my own strength and my own uh, understanding than I thought I was. Intellectually thinking I was relying on the Holy Spirit, but actually not being fully there. So it helped me to see that I needed to give my trust to him. So the first thing I did was remind myself that my trust is in Christ. And then in the moments where I feel tired and burdened, he's there to give me rest. Like it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, because I will make you rest. So putting all my trust in Christ helped him lift my spirits. Letting 
allowing myself to rest in him was an incredible comfort and it helped me push forward. It helped me feel better (laughs) after a while. Um, Obviously, the thing about feelings is that they are still there and you work through them and there's nothing wrong with feeling a little down. It's about whether I let myself ruminate there and let it become an emotion. Am I letting my feelings lead my life? Right, so I had to really choose to be present. I had to really choose to allow the spirit to lead me rather than the emotions that I was feeling to lead me. Just recording this episode alone was something where like, I'm sitting here going, I don't want to record. But at the same time, I know that God has deposited something in me that needs to be said. So... I trust that he's the one that's giving the words and that will help me through the whole process. Um, The other thing I do is I rejoice in the fact that I am weak. (laughs) Biblical concepts all around is the fact that when I am weak, he is strong and he can glorify himself in my weakness, right? So I like to make adjustments to my interpretation according to my condition of being. If I know that, I'm going to feel a little heavy, that I'm going to be a little slower, then I'm going to take things slow because God works in the middle of my weakness. And I don't have to be perfect because God is the one that's working on perfecting me every day and he is the only one that's perfect, right? So when I feel weak, I let him work and I'm okay with it. Or I try to be okay with it. And as long as you try, soon enough you'll be okay. Like when you're out of shape, you don't just jump back into your normal routine and lift as much as you used to lift and run as much as you used to run. You make adjustments and work your way up. So do the same thing with your interpreting. Um, Take more time in between phrases and um, adjust your reformulation stages to work according to what you have, right? Generally, I keep a very fast pace whenever I'm interpreting, so I'm currently forcing myself to slow down. And since I'm getting out of breath sooner, I'm forcing myself to breathe at intervals where I usually would not breathe at because that way I'll have more stamina. I'm forcing myself to be still and save energy. And I'm relying much more on the spirit. There's this great thing about how the spirit works through us that I can rest assured that the message is going to be received no matter what. But I have to be conscious of how my condition can affect the way I'm acting. Whether I am letting that be the thing that leads me or the spirit be the one that leads me. And as a good example, the first time I came back to interpreting after I gave myself some rest. Um, at that point, I was like, I know that I can't do this on my own. And I fully let the Holy Spirit take the reins. And I was there doing the most minimal amount of effort I could. Um, and that session went great. I felt energized. I felt like it was amazing. I felt like there was spirit filled. The message was found by the second time I had to go up and interpret again, and I'm talking about interpreting at church, I was feeling a lot better. And at that point, um, I know, 
and I can I rest assured that I, I I realize this now that I fell back to old patterns where I thought I could do most of it and it wasn't a great session and it wasn't as spirit filled as the next as the one before so I had to sit down and reevaluate how am I allowing the spirit to work through me and this means different things for different people but to me it meant giving up control I really like to be in control of things so it meant just giving in (laughs) and being a little less critical of every single choice that I make as I'm interpreting And then the other thing it meant is it meant not going into autopilot, okay? Because autopilot is meant for optimal work conditions where everything is working the way it should be. And if I go in autopilot in a moment where not everything is working to 100%, I'm going to crash and burn. So instead of just going, I know how to do this and letting my body just take reins and do it the way it usually does I had to be very conscious of I'm gonna be thinking about what I'm doing as I'm doing it because interpreting throws many unpredictable things and I have to be aware of my surroundings in order to avoid accidents plus being an autopilot really allows me to wallow in self-pity and think about how I'm not doing things right and all that so allowing myself to do things one at a time and stop running on that autopilot really helped me see the full picture of what I was doing. Know that God is with you through everything that you go through and rest in that. I know it's really hard to be like, oh, just rest in that. I'm telling you, I know it's difficult to say, oh, rest. But whenever I can't rest by myself, I go and I go into a moment of prayer. Because It allows me to feel like I'm still doing something. But when I am making myself available to prayer and to say, hey, Lord, I am here. That's when he can work and truly help me rest instead of me forcing myself to do it. This is all that I'm doing to help myself um, through a moment of grief and sadness. Obviously, I encourage everybody to seek help, go to therapy. Really seek that professional help to help you through all these things as well. But I wanted to share a little bit of my experience and how I'm dealing with it. And hopefully that can be a little bit of help to you guys as well. Today I wanted to take the time to talk about a rather sensitive topic. Why is it that in some churches interpreting doesn't seem to work? Why is it that after all the hard work that goes into it, after all the planning, all the thinking, it seems that interpreting just is not producing fruit and is not doing what the church want it to do? Why is it that some churches start off with interpreting and end up giving up on it before long? What's gone wrong? Well, honestly, there isn't a lot of research into why interpreting doesn't work. Researchers tend to go into churches and give snapshots or case studies of interpreting in a church at a specific time. So research can't tell us for sure why interpreting sometimes doesn't seem to work. But there are some things that we can point to that might help churches think through what's going on. The first and most obvious might simply be that the interpreting wasn't 
delivered well. Perhaps the interpreters aren't prepared or trained well enough. Perhaps there's no partnership between the interpreters and those speaking or signing. Or simply there's no plan. Perhaps the interpreters are being asked to use unsuitable equipment or work under unsuitable conditions. Or simply the interpreters aren't good enough. Or the church doesn't know how to use interpreting effectively. Surprisingly, this is the easiest problem to solve. Instead of doing interpreting hastily and just trying to get it done and just trying to find someone to sit down and interpret. For interpreting to work effectively, it helps if it's a partnership between the interpreters and those who are speaking and signing on on stage, and of course the church leadership and those in the church. When interpreting is a partnership, when interpreters feel free to explain what's working and what isn't working, when the leadership take an interest in finding out how to make the interpreting more effective, you're going to get better results. That's logically obvious. So to reduce the risk of interpreting not being delivered well, make it into a partnership. Take an interest in how well the interpreters are doing. Take an interest in where training might be available for them. Take an interest in how people are experiencing the interpreting. So to deal with the risk that interpreting might not be delivered well, simply work on delivering it better. Another reason why interpreting might not work in a church is that there could be a poor attitude to interpreting and to speakers of other languages more generally. In some cases, providing interpreting is seen as a a temporary option and it's seen almost as an act of charity. Not in the sense of charity as love, but charity as in looking after these poor, unfortunate people who happen to not speak our language. It's seen as something the church does for others, something the church does to help these people who really don't have a better option, rather than something that's part of the identity of the church and something that the church values. People soon realise when they're being treated like charity cases, people soon realise when they are being treated as people who are somehow less than everyone else. And though well-meaning this attitude to interpreting soon betrays itself in some kind of mistreatment, in putting people into corners, in cutting corners and provision, and trying to strip away language provision as soon as possible because people really should learn the language that we speak here. If that's the case in your church and if that's the case in your language outreach, it's important to think through the difference that interpreting makes for the whole church. Not just who does interpreting enable to hear or to see who wouldn't normally be able to understand what's going on, but who does the interpreting enable to speak? Who now has a voice who didn't have one before? Who now is able to communicate who couldn't before? While we're still seeing interpreting as something that we do for other people that we don't need but they need, we'll tend to not put our full selves into the interpreting in a way that the interpreting needs. So for churches who find themselves in that place, I would ask you, I would invite you, I would almost plead with you to not just think through the difference that interpreting makes to the whole church, but to search your heart and the heart of the church for traces of pride or racism or xenophobia or a feeling that your language is somehow better than other people's or a feeling that somehow full access to the church means speaking your language. And if you honestly find those things, prayerfully work through them, confess them, repent of them, Read what the Bible says about reconciliation, about there no longer being Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, and work through where, hopefully unwittingly, 
The church has created physical, mental or emotional barriers that tell people that somehow they're not worthy of full inclusion until they learn to speak your language. That somehow interpreting is something that you do for other people because they need it because they're unfortunate. This is perhaps the most painful reason why interpreting might not work. But it's one that when addressed can make the biggest difference. The final reason why interpreting might not work is slightly more complicated and it's one I did come across in my PhD. Interpreting isn't going to work well when there's no commitment on the part of the church or when it's not integrated into church practice as a whole. To deal with this issue, we have to put strategy before mechanics. That means we have to think through why, when and where the interpreting is going to be used and who's going to be interpreting early on in the process. Think through the place of interpreting in the church and see it as enabling ministry rather than simply as a disconnected ministry all of its own. See interpreting, see language provision as a whole as something that runs through the entirety of church life rather than something isolated to a Sunday morning. This means, of course, planning the resources, training, leadership and support that will be needed to undergird this interpreting for the long term. It means accepting that interpreting is going to have a real cost in terms of volunteer time in terms of finances, in terms of leadership, in terms of commitment, in terms even of a readiness to question our own theology. But when we make that commitment, when we integrate interpreting and language provision throughout the entire church, the difference is obvious. Because that's what interpreting needs to be. That's how God called interpreting to work. Today's quick tip isn't a quick tip at all. It's a question. What does interpreting mean to you? What does interpreting mean to your church? And how is that affecting the way that you're delivering the interpreting, the way that you're offering the interpreting, the way that you're practicing your interpreting? Think through what interpreting means and why you do it, and a lot of other things follow naturally. Thank you very much for listening to the Church Interpreting Podcast presented by Lauren Alweasel and Jonathan Downey. If you'd like any more information or support, go to churchinterpreting.com. Thank you for listening.